0: Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we have Sagar Shukla, uh, who is the co-founder of Foresight. You know our ecosystem is maturing when we have founders like um, Sagar come in. Um, He graduated from UNC Chapel Hill uh, back in 2015, 2016, took a job with Red Ventures, stayed with them for a little time, then moved over to DealCloud, as you'll learn, spent many years, uh, I guess five, six years with DealCloud, and after spending his time with DealCloud has spun out and launched his own startup. And as you'll learn, not only has he launched his own startup, he's gained DealCloud as a client too. So that is the development of an ecosystem where we have founders come in and work and spin out and start their own. It's happening in numerous instances around town, but to say, share Sagar's story with you today is a, a really a sense of pride, I think, for the ecosystem um, he packs a ton of energy, a ton of knowledge, um, and really um, hones in on some some key points in the podcast. And I think you're really, really going to enjoy listening to today's episode. So excited to dive right in. Zager! welcome to the podcast, man. I'm super excited about getting this thing rolling today.
1: William, it's great to see you, man. I'm excited to chat and uh, dive right in.
0: We're recording on March 31st. For those that don't remember this day, it is a gorgeous day outside, which leads us to an awesome podcast. So um, let's get rocking and rolling. Let's uh, let's start off the little 30, 60 second commercial. You're from Charlotte. Um, I am born and raised. So uh, let everybody know a little bit more about yourself.
1: I know that's, everybody says it's the unicorn or rare commodity these days. I moved back to Charlotte too, which is, which I was not expecting, but.
0: Yeah. Even with our crummy sports (laughs) team, you came back and (laughs) cheer them all. Decided to come
1: back. That's right. I uh, I was born in, I grew up in the university area near Highland Creek. Went to Mallard Creek High School. I've been local in Charlotte my entire life. Was Stayed in North Carolina for school. Um, Went to Chapel Hill and then came back to Charlotte for my first job out of college at Red Ventures. Which is actually where we met back in the day. It is, and uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of great energy there, and um, it was a great experience growing up here. And uh, I had a long and and circuitous path to get back, but I was at Red Ventures. I joined a company called DealCloud, which we'll dive into, I'm sure. Um, and that journey took me from Charlotte to New York. I was in New York for a couple of years, and then moved to Nashville. That's where I started Foresight and just a month ago moved back to Charlotte. So it's been a tour of the Northeast and the Southeast and it feels great to be back.
0: Yeah, no, well, we are thrilled that you came back um, with your company. So, which we'll we'll dive into here a little bit. So um, so you went to Chapel Hill, which is, you know, obviously an unfortunate situation, but um, after After wrapping up that tour, you um you came back and you spent some time with red ventures and and then transitioned over to deal cloud. What um the thought process? Um smart, I mean you're a smart guy, right? Um smart process, deal cloud, or not deal cloud, red ventures, right? What were you thinking when you came out of school? What were you um trying to position yourself for as a as a working professional?
1: Yeah, it took me a while to get to that point. I thought I was going to be a doctor when I went into school. I was a did chemistry you? major. Yeah, That's well, awesome. zoom back to middle school. I was going to be an aerospace engineer working for NASA or something. And I went to the School of Science and Math and realized, yeah, there, I'm not an engineer. <laughs> there are people that are way smarter than me. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, I like science. Let's do chemistry. So I entered Chapel Hill, think I was going to be a doctor. I did that for the first two years. And I had this reckoning. Uh, it was two years in. I was out of the country. Working um, and living with a host family in Bolivia, actually, and learning Spanish and having a totally different experience than anything I've ever done in my life. And during that trip, something something connected for me, and I was like, "Why? Why am I trying to be a doctor?" I think we were on a hike, and somebody fell and scraped their knee, like the smallest cut ever. And they were bleeding, and we're in the middle of the woods. It's like, man, this is tough. I, I, don't, I can't deal with this. <laughs> I don't like this blood. Um, and so like on a very basic tactical, I was like, yeah, why, why have I convinced myself that I want to go down this path? And, you know, funnily enough, I was with an entrepreneur on that journey. He was a fellow student, a friend of mine at Chapel Hill, came really close. And he actually dropped out of school to go start an SAT prep company in Shanghai. I was like, what is this guy doing? Like, does he not want to finish school? He should, he should commit to the degree and, you know, at least follow somewhat of a traditional path, but it struck a chord with me i'm like man there's some people in this world who take who truly blaze their own path and they've found peace in it and they've becoming they've self-actualized like he really self-actualized through that journey and i've stayed in touch with him since then and so i came back to school my mom was dropping me off at chapel hill and we're a two-hour journey and she's like yeah so you're ready for your organic chemistry you know semester class this year i'm like uh, I wasn't really responding. I was waiting, waiting to tell her because I had big news. So she's coming up close to school. We're now 20 minutes away. I'm like, yeah, mom, got to tell you something. We're 10 minutes away. Like, oh, mom. Uh, yeah, I'm dropping chemistry. Uh, I'm dropping my pre-med. And I, uh, yeah, I don't really know what I want to do with my life, but I'll figure it out. Thanks for the ride.
0: <laughs> Jump out, like, yeah. out of the car and run. Jump out of the car. She,
1: <laughs> she was totally surprised. And uh, it's an inside joke with us now. But that really started this journey of choosing my own path and I think planted the seeds for Red Ventures, DealCloud, and Foresight and, and what, what was to come. So long story short, I I ended up interning for a couple of entrepreneurs and founders and alumni from Chapel Hill. It took me to New York. Took me. I did a couple of pitch competitions, uh, again, inspired by that summer and other experiences I had at Chapel Hill. And I I realized that this is something... St- whether it's working with a startup or starting my own company, this is what I want to do. There's so much creation, creativity, and and exploration and newness. You have to learn and build and discover yourself through the process. And to me, that was so compelling because the path of becoming a doctor, following a more traditional path, which is amazing. And I celebrate people who do that. But to me, that, that didn't feel as compelling as exploring the unknown. Um, so I knew in school, that's, what I wanted to do. And then it was, well, how, how do I do that? What does that actually look like? And so I was by the fall semester of my senior year, walking to my economics class, Gardner Hall, Chapel Hill. And there's this booth outside, these folks from Red Ventures. And I had known somebody from my economics days, a friend of mine. He's like, hey, man, come over here. Let's chat. So I talked to him and he he totally sells me on Red Ventures. It's this company in, in North Carolina, Charlotte, Fort Mill. They've got a bunch of startups they're incubating internally. And I was like, all right, that sounds great. Can learn how to work for a startup in a bigger corporation. Awesome. So I joined and it was a great learning experience. Uh, I was on a small business unit that ended up being one of the big money makers for adventures, learned how to manage a PL, Excel. I was in SQL, getting some technical skills and wearing a bunch of hats and becoming a professional. It's my first job out of college. So I did that for a year and met some great folks, folks who ended up Becoming entrepreneurs, ended up joining other companies and um, I've stayed in touch with them to this day. But a year in, I was like, man, all right, this has been a great experience, but I, I got a, it's getting a little bit too big for me. You know, it's, uh, yeah. I'm not a big company person. So I left, I left Red Ventures and had no idea what I wanted to do. I this is a theme in my life and <laughs> not knowing what to do next. So three months, I didn't have a job. I didn't have any so idea. Was-
0: This is pure. So you're in it for a year um, and you, you quit without, without the next, without the next component in place. You're just saying, this is, yeah. Wow. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I I had a feeling that I need to recalibrate my life and realign myself to what I want to do. I don't know what that is, but I've had great experiences. I want to repurpose that into something entrepreneurial again. So, I took three months to myself. I actually, I'm really into film and production and performance. So, I filmed a mini series at the time. I was working on myself. And at some point, I was like, all right, I should probably get a job again. This is, this is, the bills are coming. So, I Google in uh, I, my, I wrote out a query in chat GPT days. This would be maybe it would have led me down a different path, but I, I Googled, what are the best startups in Charlotte? And I found this blog post three links down. I click on it. And the seventh listing there was this company called DealCloud. It had this orange and green lightning bolt logo. I was like, what is this? But seems interesting. Private equity CRM. I had no idea what either of those meant or SaaS. But I, I emailed them, sent them my resume and said, hey, I'm uh, willing to learn and hungry, and you see value. Let's chat. I get an email back within 20 minutes from a guy named Connor Chapman. He was my tennis mate at Mallory Creek from eight years prior. He's like, yo, remember me? Let's meet up. We meet up at Rhino Market on Moorhead the next day. I have a job the next week, and that changed my life. I was there at DealCloud for the next five years. Amazing, incredible journey, late 2016 onwards. And here we are. I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have met my co-founder, Nigel. We wouldn't be starting Foresight if it not for DealCloud. But that really shaped, shaped the next five years for me. And we were an early stage startup at the time, less than 15 people. I just raised our Series A, getting our product to market, and I was a generalist. Um, Helping to build the company, so those were the seeds. Long, long story there, but those are all the seeds that that were planted.
0: No, nah, it's um, it's a great story. So your big company um, startup with Red Ventures, but you still get that you still get that exposure, right? So people oftentimes think of or or try to quantify or, or find the difference, but for you, the difference. And and not not a negative light, right? We're always positive here. I shouldn't say we're always positive, but we're mostly positive here. What's um the difference in experience from Red Ventures to Deal Cloud for you? Um and things that you were able to pick up at deal cloud about a startup that weren't as apparent to you, um when you were at red ventures right were there were there big things that hung out other than the fact that red ventures you had a bigger budget (laughs) (laughs) totally
1: totally different experiences so yeah big budget and basketball courts and breweries on on site It it was pretty wild but yeah, I think the the Red mean, Ventures
0: experience. You mean Rob and those guys didn't have a um a, 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 a nap time room for y'all or something like that? No.
1: Our well, let me put it this way: our interviewing table, our conference room, was on a ping pong table, and that okay. was and we played ping pong during our breaks, uh, and uh, that was multi, very multi-purpose to, to yeah. say the least. So we 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 stretched that far, but at Red Ventures. The, the the term I'd like to use here is snap to grid, you know, like in Excel or PowerPoint, like you're moving something around. It's like, oh, here's the guidelines like you can adjust and suggested place where you should put a image or something. It's like guides you to the right place. That was very much my experience at Red Ventures or, or companies is there's a process in place. There's guidelines and you sort of have to fit between those processes and execute and be creative in your execution. But ultimately, there's a work product that has been done before and you you got to you just got to push it out. At DealCloud, there was no snap to grit. It was, hey, <laughs> we just closed this massive private equity firm. It's our biggest deal ever. And hey, you're two months in, but you got to figure out how to implement this client. We Nobody has done this before, but we need to make them happy. So good, good luck. luck. <laughs> you're a smart guy. You got a good team. Figure it out. So that was the experience. I mean, throwing in, and that was all of DealCloud. 23 to 26-year-olds who were, had some business experience, were hungry, wanted to learn, and were willing to do whatever it took to, to help make our clients successful and and build this company. That And that's, that was a culture. So there was no snap to grid. There was no process. And it was incredibly formative, incredibly challenging. But that was the biggest difference between the two. And I remember it was, uh, it was summer of 2017. I had uh, 10 clients I was implementing. Two of them were the toughest clients that we had had at the time. And it was Saturday at 4 p.m. And I was working on a data migration project. I was like, what? I don't know even know who to ask for help. Nobody's done this before. I'm totally alone in this. And it was pretty isolating. I was, I was, I was kind of down in the dumps about it because all my friends were having pool parties and having fun. And I was like, I'll join you out there. But I got I to gotta finish this migration. Though, Monday's going to be rough, yeah. which it was anyway. But um, yeah, I think that was the, the muscle building of there is no guide. You have to figure it out. You have to rely on yourself, but also there's a, t- a great team of people to help out, right? It's a team journey, but nobody's done this before. And how do you figure out the unknown going back to the college days, that, that hike in Bolivia, it's a total unknown, but build, there's a way you can build intuition and in a process framework and structure to attack and identify and shine a light on the dark map. And once you do that once you can do it again, and it gets a little bit easier. It gets a little bit more, efficient and effective and fun each time. So I think that, that was a key piece for me. And the deal cloud experience was, was figuring out when you have no guide and uh, what do you do about that? And, and how do you still drive outcomes and, and uh, make things happen?
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, and I mean, the pool party story, I love that. Right. So everybody else, so that your banker friends are out there at you know, three o'clock on a Tuesday um, at the pool party and the, the <laughs> entrepreneurs working hard on Saturday at three. So anyways, so, I mean, back up for just a second with me, you're in college. You, you have this kind of turning point, we'll call it where entrepreneurship is something you want to pursue and understand and, and whatnot. You've, you've taken some of those steps. You go work for adventures. You're now a deal cloud. You're, um, working on migration issues and all kinds of other um, spur of the moment problems that just, just pop up in a, in a startup. Are you already aware at this point in time? And, and I guess you probably are about, you know, you know, the end result is you want to start your own startup. You want to start your own company. Right. So is that, is that crystal clear at this point in time? Or are you a little bit more into, man, I'm loving this ride with deal cloud and not quite thinking about, um, what's your startup idea.
1: Yeah, the seed of I still want to do I want to do something and I wanna be on the journey uh, of our of our own company building was there. It was always there from college, but it wasn't clear. It was a very foggy, vague path. And it, it hadn't crystallized for me. So in the depths of Deal Cloud of 2017, 2018, I, I wasn't even thinking about that to be honest, because I was just trying to survive, you know, <laughs> it was survival mode of how do we how do we get to the next day and and uh and, and continue. It's the hardest I've ever worked in my life. I mean, to this point, it was just a unique, unique work environment. And um, I'm really grateful for it. But, anyways, I think as I got out of that, so that was, that was an implementation to give a bit more context to what I was doing. It was an implementation team, getting folks from Salesforce and Excel off of those platforms and onto Deal Cloud. But then I had this pivotal moment where I, I moved in 2018, I was doing that for about two years from, from implementation and post sales. So what it's called to pre sales. So, man, I, I really like enjoying and talking to our clients. I don't like the data stuff as much, I'm really in the weeds, but I like having strategic conversations. So, how do I figure out how to do that? How do I sell? So, I met with our VP at the time. He's a mentor of mine, Aaron Guinan, and he's still based in Charlotte and he's awesome. Um, and he was like, he really encouraged me to think about what else I could do with my skill set. So, I said, well, why don't I go to New York? That's where the whole sales team is based. I'll do a trip up there. And I'll pitch myself and that'll be a good manifestation of me pitching the company right in, in sales process. So I did that and uh, eventually became a sales engineer. So I was uh, doing all the demos and solutioning and behind the scenes. I think at that point, I started to see the dots connective. Now I'm on the tip of the spear. I, we're introducing Dio Cloud to new clients, new prospects. I really enjoyed that process. And the, the foggy vagueness became a little bit more clear of, well, this is what it's like. You have to take something that nobody knows about or has a real reason to care about and make them care about it. And I, and I started to see how that could map to launching a company one day. And I, I think that's when things started to really come into picture. So that was a turning point for me moving to sales. Uh, and I can continue that story on with Intap. We got acquired in 2018 and I started working with the parent company. We started selling new solutions into law firms and I was traveling the world with the, our leadership team to bring new markets, new products to market. And I think the more I did that, the more I saw how how I we could do this, how I could go on this journey and work with the team and build this out and, and create something beautiful. So along along the the last couple of years of the journey was when it started to come together for us.
0: Uh um you you mentioned it there, but at what point in time did you realize that sales is the lifeblood of a company right um i mean the the beginning of your career you're on the back end your data migration you're getting everything up and running but um as we all quickly learn everything is sales um at first i mean when you're first with deal cloud that that first job is all about man we got to make sure that the you don't even worry about the sale you just worry about the migration, right. But you eventually realize that everything we do is in terms of, you know, running a company and acquiring clients and acquiring investors and and everything else and positioning yourself in the community of sales. But did you know it before? Was that kind of a, was that a tr- transitional moment as well?
1: It was, I,
0: I'd always loved
1: talking to people and selling whatever it was I was doing. I, like I mentioned before I was on a performance. I was on a dance team and that was selling. It was connecting with an audience. It was getting people excited about whatever you had to offer. And that in that case, it was performance. So I think I absolutely agree with that. Everything is sales. We're, we're social creatures. We need to believe in something to do anything, to take action. And sales is not a commercial transaction thing that salespeople do. It, it's a way to interact with human beings and, and provide value ultimately. So when i was in, at dealcloud and, and on that journey i didn't feel that at a at a job or career level i felt that at a at a at a soul self actualization level and for me that's always been the journey of learning more about myself and self actualizing going back to my that conversation with my friend back many years ago so yeah i think that became really important to me is how was well what what can we sell like what is something that people need that truly people need. And then we we figure out a way to communicate it and get people excited about it, provide value and turn that vision into actual results, which is what I was doing at Deal Cloud in implementation. Somebody had sold it and then we had to implement it. So I think it was full circle is connect with human beings, get them excited. And once they're excited, actually deliver value on the back end. And it's all it's all part of a, a, a circle.
0: Yeah. And so one of the things that you and I have talked about over the course of the last couple of weeks is um, like energy and passion, right? And so, in order to in order to sell something, you've you've got to have that 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 passion, knowing that it's going to help people, right? Like believing that you can put something in somebody's hands that's going to help them out. So as you're running through cloud, improving that company, improving yourself, um, learning more, gaining experience, and all of those things. At what point in time does foresight become uh, like a concept or an idea, and and how does how does that whole process start to evolve? And I guess um, we'll take this time um, to just since we're going to pivot into the foresight story, tell us what uh, what foresight is, right? And then kind of how did it come into formation while we're at Deal Cloud?
1: Totally. So the elevator pitch on Foresight is we are a enterprise software platform, B2B SaaS. That's a familiar term for, for uh, the audience. And we help companies make their clients happy, give them more value, and grow the relationship with those clients. So you know CRM, Salesforce, HubSpot, many others, we play in that space. But we really focus on not the sales piece of getting a new client, but the post-sales piece of once you have that client, making them the best client possible. So that's what our platform does. The inflection point at DealCloud was my co-founder, Nigel, he tells this story, and I'm going to use that as the example here because we both experienced it in both of our realms. Nigel was the first salesperson at DealCloud. He ended up moving to London when I moved to New York to run the entire Europe book of business. He became the head of account management, and he was sitting in a board meeting with one of our biggest clients there. And on the flip side, I was sitting with on the sales side, with uh, on, the, on the prospecting front, right? We were sitting in these big rooms. And the question we would always get from the managing partner of private equity firms was, great, I like DealCloud. It's a great platform. What are other firms doing? What are the best practices that the market is leveraging the solution for that I should be thinking about? Because I'm paying you all a lot of money and I, I want to know the best practices. So, Well, please, please share this with us. And Nigel and I, we'd been out of the company for five years. And so we'd had probably a couple thousand conversations at that point. We could rattle off, okay, these are the things that I know. But there were 50 other folks at the company who were having thousands of other conversations we had no visibility into. What are the other best practices that we had no idea, but somebody else had come up with, right? Were our best practices truly the best? Or were they just practices? And so... That was a aha moment for us of there is no way to truly surface up those best practices across the entire organization because everybody's relying on conversations. They're putting notes into the CRM. We were using DealCloud for our CRM. They were in there. But outside of our minds and the client's minds, there's, there's no infrastructure to capture that at scale to make sure that every client was getting the best possible experience. So the light bulbs went off. And we thought, this is not a deal cloud problem. This is a business problem. Every company who's solving, who's offering a complex product, whether it's a services business or a product business, software business, has this problem. So we got really excited by this. And we were experiencing personally a deal cloud every single day on the sales side, on the post sales side, implementation people are experiencing this. Sales engineers were experiencing this. Product marketing, everybody had this question of, what is the value? That our clients are getting, and then break that down to a cohort, zoom out and look at the entire market. So as we got deeper and deeper into our journeys at deal the conviction that this is an area to solve became crystal clear.
0: So you're um so you're at deal you recognize you rec you start to recognize the problem, right? And it's funny, I feel like I feel like I asked my CRM and other software people, this question all the time, like, what, what are the good people doing with this? Right. Um, cause I mean, you do, you want to know how other people are leveraging technology and you always get the, I don't know response, um, or go check out our video. Um, so you're, you know, you're starting to realize this is a problem. Um, you run out and start foresight. Yes. That's- so, that's this the question. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this was the the journey of figuring out well, what does this actually look like? Yeah. So we knew that and and to really make it really clear what force is, we help client we help companies reduce churn. So prevent people from leaving and help those companies expand their relationship with their clients. So
0: and, there's a churn. and to stay there for just a second, they leave because somebody else comes and dangles a whistle or um a shiny object in front of them. And says, hey, you're using this, but it doesn't do what you, it's not doing what you want it to do. And our little gadget over here is going to do what you want it to do. When in reality, this gadget probably can help them accomplish this. Somebody else is just selling them on how to leverage their product to solve their problem, right?
1: The, the dangle dangling it, folks have convinced the client that they've got the best practices and that best practice is easy to consume. If the client feels they're already getting the best practices, they're getting the maximum return on investment and value from their existing solution, and they, they're happy with that, the chance that they leave is slim to none. Yeah. And so that's really the value gap, we call it, that every company has to fill. Every client's success manager, who is the rep, who's making sure the client's happy, or account manager has to fill. But that process is really hard because folks are reactive. They've got hundreds of accounts to deal with and, and, and manage. It's hard. So we realized that, okay, this is a problem. Let's try to solve this internally. We tried to solve internally at cloud. So uh, I remember I I pitched the entire leadership team of of our parent company at the time. I put together a deck and I said, okay, here's the path for it. We need a global solutions team of folks who have the best practices across the industry, but are totally focused on building a processized way to push these best practices out to the rest of the company. It's gonna be services focused, It's going to be an internal Tiger team. We're going to meet every month with all stakeholders across the company and we'll do this. And, you know, the the leadership team heard it. They said, okay, this is a good idea. Great. Three months, didn't really hear anything back. Like, Okay. Follow up. Hey guys, uh, just checking in here. Uh, any, any, Any thoughts? And around the same time, we went through a big reorg restructure and you know, the, the company was at the time, you know, preparing to go public. So they needed the big pedigree logos of folks who had 25 years experience at Oracle and Salesforce and SAP and all this stuff, which is great. So they brought those folks in. They said, all right, we're going to solve this problem. We've got all these experienced folks. Thanks so much. Keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, all right, noted, appreciate it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm going to bounce <laughs> and then try to solve this problem because we really believe in it. And Nigel and I, we linked up during the time the pandemic had just hit. And I was just like, man, I really feel this problem. He sent me a long email one day. He's like, yeah, we, we got to do this. This is it's now or never. And I was like, yeah, this is this is the time. So we we uh, we planned our exits and I gave a three months notice, you know, keeping good relationships with the, with the team. And I said, hey, guys, uh, it's been great. I got some entrepreneurial ambitions. Um, this is late 2020 and it's been great working with you all. But it's time to it's time to part ways. And I'm, I hope we can stay in touch we didn't. So I left. I actually ended up consulting for the company for 6 months in tap, the parent company, because they needed so, some of the
0: So you gave 3 months and then even after that 3 months you ended up doing some reverse consulting to continue to help along the way then.
1: Yes, exactly. Because we were we we had to raise money. We didn't have any cash flow coming in. We didn't have a product or really anything. So, <laughs> needed to keep the lights on. So I was like, all right, let me be a contractor so I can work on my own stuff full time while still making some money. So uh, stayed in touch with them which was actually very strategic in hindsight because he will start to learn a lot more about the problems in different parts of the business so i was doing that for six months and then about summer of 2021 uh nigel you know I, i'd left the business at that point nigel was in the process of leaving he's like all right it's time him and his wife bought a house over zoom in nashville i moved out of new york i moved in with them two weeks later and, and that was the start of our journey in summer of 2021 we were li- literally living in the same house we painted the room above his garage. That was our office, first office of Foresight, and we got started.
0: Global corporate headquarters. <laughs>
1: Global corporate headquarters. Um, why, Nash-
0: why Nashville?
1: Yeah, so our lead investor, we, we ended up raising some money later that year. And our, our lead angel, uh, Joe Maxwell, out of Nashville, uh, GP of a VC fund called FinTop Capital. They were the first money in deal cloud. So they had put the money in, that's when we joined. We'd built a great relationship with Joe over the years. And when we told him we're, we're leaving, he says, fantastic news, would love to support you. Come to Nashville. Well, it's a supportive environment and it'll be great for you for your first couple of years. So we said, okay, sounds great. <laughs> Let's do that. And so we went. And Nashville had a burgeoning ecosystem as well on the startup side. So we, we uh, ended moving there.
0: So you raised money with Joe in August of 21, is that right? That's right. That was your seed round to kind of get stuff up and running? That was. So for reference point, I think Joe might be our most active investor in um in Charlotte Angel Connection um companies. Um oh. there's um documented three companies, and I think there's a fourth um that I just don't have confirmation on that he's invested in. So um I don't know if he listens to the podcast or if we listen to Joe. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> um, but um usually beneficial. So the how did, so first time entrepreneur, right? You've been with entrepreneur organizations. You raised a seed round in August of 2021. How did you plan out? Um, you had P&L experience at as, um, all the way back to Red Ventures. I'm sure you had P&L experience at Deal Cloud as well. But how did y'all map out? Oh gosh, this is now my, this is my thing, right? Like I own, not only do I own it, I like literally own it. Um, how did y'all map out that seed round? Like how were you allocating resources from it to get this thing up and running? Sure. So Nigel and I are both business
1: co-founders. We don't have coding experience. We couldn't one of us couldn't build a product. And so we quickly realized that uh, that's our top priority. We need a trusted technical owner and development expertise, ASAP. So that was our first our first use of funds with the the fundraise. So we closed in August of 2021. And we brought in all the execs and folks we'd worked with in the past and and the network one, two degrees separated. They were all very supportive of us. Ex-operators have run big funds, invested in DealCloud before. And they all knew the problem. Everybody experienced it in their own ways. So we used that money and brought on technical experts who could help build out our MVP and and get this into the market. So the next four months, August through January of 2022, we were heads down doing discovery every single day. Had 300 conversations with the market over the span of three four months, and built out our first product. And we launched it in January of 2022. Uh, we brought on folks onto the team, head of engineering, head of product. You know, the course of our journey the past year and a half, uh, because th- those are our biggest gaps as 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 founders, and have really f- solidified our our ability to. Not only sell and to get folks excited, but to build a, a world-class product that people are using. And full circle, we've got now incredible companies using using our solution, uh, and including DealCloud. You know, we we started we started our journey from DealCloud days, and it's it's been an amazing journey, existential win for us because now our our former employers. One of our our biggest adopters and getting the most value out of foresight, so came full circle and great validation for us that we're solving a real need.
0: I love the fact that you now have them as a client, right? I think that's freaking awesome. Um, Absolutely. So you were employee number fifteen at DealCloud, so it was it was a it was it was moving down the track at the point in time that you joined it, um, whereas you. You know, when you start a company, it it's not moving at all, right? It's it's stuck in neutral. <laughs> um what's um how much were you able to fall back on deal cloud in the early days versus how much did you really like what's what's that gap, right, between 15 and zero? Or is it the same thing? It's just different types of challenges, right? What did you learn over that over the course of the last two years to get to to where you are now? Sure. And we're still very much
1: in this first stage. And a lot of people have different names for zero to one, the product centered stage of the startup versus the company building stage of the startup. I'm talking to my friend, uh, Tyler Debtbook, And he's, he's like, yeah, you reach this point where the products going, but now you have to focus on the company and building that. And that was the deal cloud experience, building the company. And I was a, a function within the company, but I saw how the company is building. I was hiring people, I was interviewing people, I was training people. You know, we had a say in and building out the long term gravitas of our organization. At Foresight, we need to we, we're building a product that can necessitate having a company around it, right? So that's been totally new, never done that, and that was part of the the curiosity for me is I've never done anything like this. That's the unknown right? Um, the no guidelines, how do we do that? And we got to figure it out. So building something that people want and that can address a real need. That's the journey that Nigel and I and our team have been on the past year and a half and learning how to do it, which has been incredibly illuminating and challenging and frustrating and exciting and all all the different feelings that startup founders always talk about. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that that we're looking forward to the day once we get to company building mode because that's in a, in a weird way it feels more comfortable <laughs> than this first stage because we've done that and yeah, yeah. we're not twenty year twenty five year experience operators but we've done it we've done it once or twice we've seen it and once we get to that stage we have intuition of, of how to scale it but the first stage is let's let's get let's get a product that is flying off the shelves and and, and then everything else will take care of itself.
0: You mentioned. Tyler from debt book a second ago, right. And different, even for you, I mean, even in 2016, the startup ecosystem here, in Charlotte was young. Right. And, um, and you said it earlier when you're talking about, you know, the transitional Saturday afternoon thing that you were trying to do, you didn't have anybody to, to really tap into. And that's not, that's not the case as much anymore as a founder in Charlotte, right. There's actually, there's um, there's people that have done it. There's people that are ahead of you because they started before you, right? So, how um, how cool has it been to step back into the ecosystem where you were kind of off in a in your own little territory six years ago and seven years ago, and now now you've got Tyler and you've got Rob and you've got um, you know Angel and you've got all of these other entrepreneurs that have come before you that you can tap into and sorry for all the entrepreneurs that have been on the podcast and done other things successfully that I didn't mention. That's like my Emmy moment. Like I got cut (laughs) off by the music. So I apologize. (laughs) It's uh, it's so,
1: so spot on about having an ecosystem that's supportive and moving back to Charlotte for me has been, been incredible to engage with all the entrepreneurs. Nashville was awesome too. I mean, I had a fantastic group of folks there I was leaning on, but Yeah, having uh, the generations of founders. So I was having coffee with Rob Rob Cummings, founder of DealCloud, along with Ben, and they're both been great supporters of ours through the years. And having a chance to vent and tell it how it is to somebody who's seen it, done it before and been through that journey. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I put together data rooms for funds that I spent a week doing it and nobody looked at it. And I'm like, well, that kind of resonates, you know, (laughs) fundraising is hard. It sucks. Uh, In in that moment right now. So yeah. Having those folks to talk to and Tyler, I mean, that journey has been incredible back three years ago, they were just getting started. Now they're, they're massive. You know, they're, they're one of the unicorns of, of the area and they're growing so quickly. And, Every time I text him to get lunch every couple months, he's like, man, let's do it. And we'll spend two, three hours together talking about life, about business, about everything. And so it's been so empowering for me to have those folks who are one generation, I would say Tyler's you know, generation, Rob, the next generation, he's already exited. So, and I'm, now I'm at the point where there's other folks from Intap Deal Cloud are starting their own companies, right? And now we're, I'm engaging with them and they're saying, hey, how'd you raise your first fund or your, your first round? You know, how'd you get your first 10 customers? And so it's really nice to be the middle child or the, you know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best term. I, was but... gonna say, I don't I don't know many
0: people <laughs> that say it's good to be the middle child. There. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, yeah, never say middle child. They hate it when you say that. I'm like, OK, well, keep that in mind when I have kids. But anyways, it's nice for me because I have these these great parents, grandparents, whatever you want to call it, to look towards. And then also some some nephews and nieces I can mentor a little bit. Um and but, it feels nice to be be supported by that
0: kind uh, of family. What a great um way to phrase it, right? I love um Rob as the grandparent. <laughs> 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 um but anyways, uh all of a sudden when people say something negative about the product, they say something negative about your baby, right? So um, while we're talking generations, um, how, um, easy, difficult, like, how do you handle the, your, your, your baby's ugly or your baby's not for me, or I don't like babies at all. Right. Like, how do you, um, after a while it's, it, um, it becomes normal. Right. But initially, how'd you get through some of those or was it easy? Cause you'd already done it at deal cloud, but it was a little bit different. Cause again, it wasn't your, it wasn't yours, right. You kind of brush it off a little bit
1: yeah deal Cloud definitely made me develop a thicker skin. I mean, I was a twenty four year old on calls with partners at private equity firms who were ripping me apart every single day, truly. I mean, it was it was hard. And I went to go see these people in person, so I think I had built a good foundation for dealing with adversity there. Um, but I think that's that's this is a lesson I've had to learn, which I think is important for all entrepreneurs to learn, is you need to be attached and be emotionally invested into your product, into your company, you have to, otherwise you know, you're know, you not gonna have a, a need to survive and live. But I think it's also healthy to have a little bit of detachment, or what I mean by that is separation of Sagar, the human being, the entrepreneur, is different than foresight, the product, right? I have to work on this. This is like an engine of a car that I'm working on. A little bit objectively, like trying to. I have to be critical of it. Like, what can we do, be doing better? How can we improve this machine? So when people give feedback, it's I appreciate that. I'm going to use that to learn and be objective and clear, rational thinking on how I can make this engine better. Because if I'm always emotionally invested, I might push off feedback. I might not listen. I might not really internalize what people are saying or try to understand their intentions. And some people might might be BS, I I might not take their grains of salt, but other folks I might. And so if I'm a little bit, a little bit detached from it, and so I can view it as this is something I'm working on, not just taking it as a attack or feedback on me, then that helps me be a better entrepreneur. So that's been a journey I've been on of, of um, taking feedback, you know, learning how to be a really good listener and not be a defensive listener, I think is really important for founders. Because uh, that ultimately is how you'll learn and be better, and um, get get to connect with more
0: folks. On the um, on the product slash investor side, right? Because um, I mean, as you're out there pitching the product, what you're what you're trying to get investors to do is see what you see, right? Like you see the opportunity, um, you see the path forward, you see multiple iterations of what you can grow, growth through. And what the market needs. Um, how do you um, how do you engage in those? How do we how do we get investors that don't see it over the hurdle? Besides a stick or hammer or something <laughs> else, right? Yeah,
1: I'll give you a couple thoughts on this. Um, it's been really fascinating learning about it. But you know, what? being first-time entrepreneurs, first-time founders, sometimes we can give our best possible pitch sell the dream people still won't get it but then one of their friends who they respect and they know who's one of our investors their friends get it and their friend tells them hey i really believe in this they're like oh this makes total sense i love it and it's such a weird thing but people really it's called herd mentality or whatever sometimes it's not a bad thing but having somebody else who believes in you who gets it and who can has a relationship with someone that's all it takes to get to the aha moment in other cases it's it's education you know, and, and multiple touch points, but something we've had to learn is we really believe in what we're doing. And it's not a, Hey, this is our idea. Like you should believe it too. No, it's, this is a problem. This is a problem that a lot of companies have. And if you don't get it, you're probably not a good investor for us. Honestly, you're not. Like if you don't get the problem and yeah, maybe we can do a better job of being clear and and clarifying the message. But if after five minutes, 10 minutes, the aha light bulb moment has not gone off, then let's stop wasting each other's time. And I hope to, you know, stay in touch, but thanks. No, thanks. Like next. So that that's kind of the mentality that that we've developed and that, that I've learned.
0: We've had um, guests on here um, and like Rent Ready is a good example because they're um, now kind of off and running. We did a podcast with them a couple of years ago and um, they essentially had their, their they stood up their UI, but their customers or clients or whatever came into the platform. They entered what they needed done and then it didn't automate, right? It stopped there. Like it went to a person and the person ended up doing the job. And what they were trying to do was fill out, what type of product did they need to build on the back end? Um, and what were the more pressing needs in prioritization and stuff like that? Like um, in y'all's world, there's a lot that you can actualize with your product, right? So you've got the, the, the beginning stages of it up. You've got clients that are starting to come on to it. Um, is there the monkey in the background right now? Um or how do y'all start to see future iterations and building out? because you've got a, probably a hundred things that y'all want to do, right? Like how do y'all start to to hit on those things that you want to roll out or need to roll out and and whatnot as the um, as the product develops? This is super relevant
1: to. we're at right now actually as we're talking i'm getting slack messages from my product team on our automations that are going live in the next two weeks so (laughs) good question no
0: no monkeys
1: (laughs) the monkeys are so the analogy i'll use here is yeah there's always going to be monkeys no matter what stage of a company you are there's always monkeys and you need that because if you've if you've built out a fully automated fully commoditized product, you're you're in a commoditized industry. Like there's no value gap left to fill because humans have to figure it out and create a solution for it. So it's good when there are monkeys involved, especially if your clients have the monkeys, you know, we're doing the manual work. Uh, so for us, it's a journey of first. You know, it's it's uh, you know, you're on this track where you're having to walk every single step because you're doing the manual work. But the more you can jump on the car, like for the last 500 meters, last 100 meters and race to the finish, that's what you want. So we're on this journey of like, okay, the first 500 meters now of the one K let's say we've pretty much automated. Like it's, it's good to go. There's still the the last half, which we have to do some stuff to manually do it. But this next release is going to get us to 70 meters, right? We're working on a validation project right now with real users and clients that people are having to take inputs from foresight, put into a PowerPoint and present that to the clients. Well, that's like, you're now doing the monkey work. Let's take that productize it, have a push button report where you automate a beautiful presentation you can give to your clients that's automatically generated by Foresight. We're giving you the client insights that helps you solve this problem. So that's all part of our roadmap. And the farther out we can push the the monkeys (laughs) in in that car, that's good. And that's that's the natural journey of a startup. And as long as that correlates with your revenue and usage and adoption, you're doing the right thing, right? Like people, the automations you're building are being used. And then you focus on the next one the next stage the next train track right that the train's coming along and um yeah I, I think every entrepreneur especially if you're in the tech world you 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 are thinking about that all the time,
0: yeah no it makes a ton of sense I love the car analogy that makes perfect and I love um i don't I shouldn't say I love monkeys, but I love the monkey <laughs> analogy too um so we're kind of coming up towards the end um right but so where um where's foresight and uh I don't know, let's shorten shorten the time frame up a little bit. Where's foresight in two to three years, right? What what are y'all building towards? Where what problems will y'all be solving um um over the course of the next you know 12 to 36 months?
1: Yeah, great question. The vision that we're building is a totally plug-and-play client success platform. So you're a company, you've got a ton of clients, people are churning. You're, they're not getting as much value as you wish, which is a huge risk for CEOs. And so they say, they see Foresight, they say, oh, this looks good. They they plug us in and within literal hours, which is not how long it takes to implement Foresight, we're able to plug into their ecosystem and start to engage their clients in a pro- proactive and productive way that reduces churn and that drives upsells and expansions because clients are getting more value. It's a very plug and play environment. And so we wanna go to every single software company Enterprise services company who's having a churn problem, who's having an expansion problem and be able to plug in there and say, we've now built the pipes. All we do is connect the two pipes together, right? Through our APIs, whatever it is. There's a big, wa- like Google Fiber, right? Google Fiber's there. We just got to connect it to your house. So we built the whole ecosystem and infrastructure. Now let's just make that connection. You're going to get the whole benefit of the network. And that should relate because Charlotte, you know, we've been waiting for Google Fiber for a while, but it's it's some it's spreading. So yeah, two to three years, we are, we're very turnkey platform to make every client your the poten- unlock the potential to make them your most valuable client
0: um, and then you're tapping into the best practices across a wide section of industries. Have you thought about what data opportunities pop up when you think about best best practices or is that further enough down the um, the train tracks that you you haven't really you know it's going to be there you just hadn't figured out what you're going to be able to do with it yet? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, the way
1: that our our product works and how it enables that is we have a tool that assesses the top needs and pain points of your client base at scale in a productized and efficient way. We capture those so that your teams can make better decisions to retain and grow those clients. But when you multiply that out across your entire client base, and then we're going to have a ton of clients serving financial services, serving cybersecurity, serving healthcare. Well, then one layer up, we get this broad view of how all the companies serving banks are solving this problem. And so, absolutely, their long term foresight is a, a data company. We're a research company. We're publishing reports alongside our clients and figuring out all the, the ownership rights and everything to make sure that you the data that's being captured can help your company become thought leaders in this space. When you're sharing best practices, when you're retaining your clients, you're giving them value, you will inevitably become the thought leader. When you become the thought leader, you start to you start to to make a, a move in the market and, and shift the market right to your to your point of view. So, and that's what every company in the world wants to be. why all this content is proliferating everywhere. Everybody wants to be a thought leader. So long term, that's the world we enable is every company to become a thought leader in your space by piping into the gold mine of insights you have, which is your clients, and you need an infrastructure to do it. It's like you build a mining operation, you know, gas, you pipe it out, you refine it, you pu- put out the pump and you plug it in and boom, you're good to go. You're driving your car. That's what foresight is for companies.
0: So love it, man. Super excited that y'all decided to to come back to Charlotte and be thought leaders here and um, uh, turbocharge our ecosystem and, um, and grow your company here. So it's, um, it's been cool. Um, as you pointed out first meeting, you know, uh, way back in 2015 or 16 at Red Ventures and um, come full circle and have you here on the podcast and watch you grow as a person and entrepreneur. So super excited to see you continue to do that over the course of the next couple of years and go get them.
1: Really appreciate it, William. It's awesome to be back. Thanks for having me on. And it's an honor to be part of the, the Charlotte Angel Connection with all the great founders you've had on it the past couple months and years. Yeah. Thanks,
0: man. I appreciate it. Yeah.
2: Does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in the market conditions and interest rates and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.